Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Well, it has been a very eventful and emotional week. I'm just trying to process everything. So I think part of me is processing by talking on this podcast. So bear with me while I collect my thoughts on this week and then give you some of my thoughts on Miami and Summer House before going into my interview with Aaron Martin. But my week began finding out about the death of Dr. Paul Farmer, who is my hero and the reason I entered the career I did in global health. Paul uh, was an amazing man. He was a medical anthropologist and he was a physician. And he had the belief that no one person's life was more important than another. And that the idea that some people's lives were more important than others was the root of all that was wrong in the world. And he set out to try and fix this by making sure that the poorest communities in the poorest countries were able to access the medical care that they needed and be treated, you know, in a dignified way. And he worked to improve health systems in countries. And he was just, uh, I don't even know how to describe how amazing he was. But I encourage you all to read the book Mountains Beyond Mountains, which is about him and his colleagues starting Partners in Health in Central Haiti. It's an incredible book. Paul has written a number of books, um, especially on the areas of medical anthropology, He's also featured in a documentary called Bending the Arc, which I also recommend if you're looking for a documentary to watch. I know a number of people in the documentary, including a man named Maquieres, who is uh, from Peru and was saved. Uh, he had multi-drug resistant TB and he was treated by partners in health. And you see his journey. And I actually was able to bring Maquieres to the United Nations in 2018 for this high-level meeting on tuberculosis that I was involved in. So I just really encourage you guys to learn about the work of Paul and the work of all of the people that are involved in partners in health in Haiti and Rwanda and Russia and all over the world. It is just um, an incredible thing that he built and he's inspired so many people. Speaking of Russia, (laughs) so this week Russia invaded Ukraine and it's just been such an experience to watch this and have familial ties to the region. My grandmother was born in Ukraine, actually, my father's mother. And my um, namesake, Manya, who was my grandfather's sister, um, was killed in modern, what is now modern-day Ukraine during the Holocaust, along with her grandmother. And as a Jew, it's been, you know, widely told to me and other Jews speak about it that Ukraine is the most anti-Semitic country in the world, one of them. It's it's known for anti-Semitism. So it was really remarkable a few years ago to watch that they elected a Jewish man as president. 
And it's even more incredible to watch that man as a leader now. You know, as Housewives fans, we're very quick to call people icons. But I am telling you, Zelensky is iconic. And my heart goes out to the people of Ukraine and everyone that is, you know, living under war. Of course, we've seen Bethany Frankel to the rescue. The Be Strong Foundation is operating at full force. You know, there's always a Bravo tie-in, guys. (laughs) So, no, for real, I am um, so impressed with the work that Bethany does all over the world and in crisis after crisis. And we know that this, this is definitely a crisis. So... On Thursday, to try and take my mind off of everything that was happening, I was able to watch the Real Housewives of Miami season finale. And boy, did it shock me because it really felt so different than the other season finale we saw at the beginning of the week, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And I think the reason is that it feels to me that the women on Miami with maybe the exception of Larsa, seem to have a real genuine, authentic connection to one another. And they work well as an ensemble. And yes, they argue, but at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, they will be there for one another. And I just feel the complete opposite about Salt Lake City. I feel like they all hate each other and nothing ties them to one another, with the exception of the fact that they're cast on the same show. And for me, it's more enjoyable to watch women with an authentic connection. And so I loved this season of The Real Housewives of Miami. So it starts out with Larsa versus Adriana at um, Alexia's bachelorette party. And I think I disagreed with almost every person I saw on Twitter. I did not think Larsa had good reads of Adriana. I thought she was wildly offensive in what she was saying screaming at Adriana that she was bipolar and then commenting on her body and how she's gained weight. Like, oh, it just, it made me sick. I feel like I don't like Larsa Pippen. I just don't. I don't mind her on the show, but I feel like she's a phony. I don't think she's really friends with any of these people. She doesn't really live there. She's always going back and forth to L.A. And I know she has kids in L.A. and all of that. But like, I don't know. I just I don't buy her shtick. And anyways, it's just she acts like she's morally superior to everyone. And when she talked about how, oh, well, like, I had the longest marriage and I had four children in my marriage and these other women, they had children out of wedlock. Like you run off with a 24 year old married man who is basically the same age as your son. So like, don't get on your high horse about being some sort of amazing woman as if you're, I don't know, women are bad who have children out of wedlock. It just, the whole thing bothered me. Um, So the main part of the episode is that Alexia's mom died on the day of her wedding. She actually died from COVID uh, during the height of the Delta surge in Florida. It was so painful to see that because we all know how close Alexia was with her mother and what an amazing woman her mother was. Uh, But I did love seeing Marisol and Nicole try to be there to support Alexia and get past their 
issues with one another. I really, that's my, one of my favorite housewives tropes, like unlikely housewives friendships. <laughs> there is a, a TV show that my dad used to watch after my mom died <laughs> called Unlikely Animal Friends, where like a hippopotamus and a tortoise become buddies and like one rides on the back of the other. <laughs> like weird stuff like that. Anyways, my dad got very into that. <laughs> he really likes animals and yeah, unlikely housewives friends. <laughs> that's the, that's the show I like. Um so it was also kind of amusing to see them all gather to support Alexia and record this video for her and then Lisa comes up and they're all wearing black and Lisa's in a neon green dress. <laughs> like that was I don't know why it just made me laugh. And, you know, she's right. It was just them getting together. It wasn't a funeral. And so for the funeral, she did wear black, but it just made me chuckle a bit. Alexia's mom just seemed so incredible to be a doctor, a psychiatrist, a cougar when no one else was doing it, encouraging Alexia to get a degree. It makes me want to know a little bit more about the time in Alexia's life where she was married to a drug lord, and it seemed like she was on the outs with her parents during that time, because I don't think they approved of that relationship. And I love Alexia, and I know her life is a telenovela, but I do disagree with how she portrays herself as a victim all the time. It seems to me that, you know, of course she can't control that her mom died on the day of her wedding or the fact that Frankie had a terrible accident. But who she chose to marry, it that is on her, you know? And I think she, up until Dodd, I think maybe wasn't making the best decisions. So, you know, not that Herman was bad. It just, you know, it, I think she was willing to look the other way in that relationship because she was uh, taken care of financially. So sometimes I feel like she always acts like she's a victim in the situation. And I really am not looking forward to the reunion where she is always kind of, I don't know, making excuses for her son, Peter, who has shown himself to be violent numerous times and, um, you know, had a domestic violence, you know, charges against him and I just I don't know why she would make excuses for that it seems very obvious what happened there are eyewitnesses and to say that he's innocent and always just keep coddling him and making excuses is not going to lead to him getting better and to learning to deal with his anger issues (sighs) anyways um What I also was shocked by is it seems like Todd, Alexia's husband, that his father died five weeks after her mom died because he said Abuela died and then five weeks later, Grandpa died, which made me think he was talking about his father to the kids. I'm glad that they went ahead and got married on their own terms in 2021, kind of telling the whole year, you know what, we're going to turn this around and we're going to lead with love. Um really excited for the reunion. I loved seeing all the women together supporting Alexia. I feel like she is sort of a bit of the glue of the group because she seems to have good relationships with everyone. And I really look forward to what they have in store for next season. I'm wondering if they're going to keep it on Peacock or move it back to Bravo. But regardless, I love it. I am here for it. And I am excited to see what's next. So Summer House, guys, 
Kyle and Amanda are not looking great. And I feel like the first episode this season was from Amanda's point of view and all the reasons she was frustrated with Kyle. And we really empathized with her while watching that. And then this episode, I feel like, was a bit more from Kyle's point of view. And you sort of empathize with him and find Amanda to be a bit annoying and naggy. And I feel like the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But I remember my mom telling me that the worst thing that can happen in a partnership is to have contempt for one another. It's not to get angry or to have arguments, but to like really feel contempt for the other person. And I feel like they're there. I feel like Amanda is not letting go of what Kyle has done in the past. I think she's angry that he put so much effort into the business, but maybe not into their relationship. I don't know if she verbalizes that clearly to him or if she just keeps nagging him because she told him a few times how she feels and she thinks he should just figure it out. Um, But I also understand his point of view that he is trying to build this business and it is like he's doing it for them so that they can have a good future and you know, he's not understanding why Amanda is so frustrated and also is like, he's a doer. And I think she's a doer too, but I think maybe she doesn't have the same entrepreneurial drive that he does. And he doesn't ever seem to want to like sit on the couch and just relax. And I think Amanda, like most most of us enjoy sitting on the couch watching our favorite shows, but he keeps bringing it up. Like, will you just sit on the couch? It's like, okay, are people not allowed to to have time when they relax? I just don't know if they're a good pairing. I'm nervous. But at the same time, you know, they do get married. They know their relationship better than we do. We only get a small snippet of it during a 40-minute show once a week. So... I don't know. It's just interesting that some of the other people on the show when asked, you know, maybe like Sierra was asked, if you were Amanda, would you have married Kyle on Watch What Happens Live? And she said no. So I don't know. Guys, I love Carl. I love Maya. I love Luke. (laughs) I just love these people. Watching Carl try to dance on a pole wearing his tight end outfit (laughs) and then subsequently falling in the pole breaking. I don't know. That was just that was great physical comedy. I find Carl so lovely and I've really appreciated his sort of story arc over the years, how he's gone from a fuck boy to a good friend to someone struggling with his demons and battling them and overcoming them and Watching him and his sobriety has just been such a joy. I believe these folks have started to film Winter House, which we're right. It's almost March. I feel like they need to start filming in early February or in January. It's almost like winter's almost over, guys. Get with it. (laughs) I also kind of wish they showed Summer House sooner. I feel like they always wait until like, the heart of winter to show Summer House, but it ends filming in like September and I want to see it by November. Like I love Summer House and I want it on all the time and I'm grateful that Winter House is coming back and now there's going to be a little bit of a mix between Southern Charm and Summer House. So like keep it going year round. I'll take Fall House. I'll take Spring House. (laughs) I'll I'll take it all. (laughs) 
All right, guys. My guest this week is Erin Martin from the Pink Shade podcast. She is so fantastic. And uh, those of you who listen to the Pink Shade podcast and heard her podcast Cult Talk are aware that she was born into a cult. And so I got to ask her a bit about her thoughts on Mary Cosby and Mary's church and whether or not that should be labeled a cult. We have a great conversation. We have so much fun. I think you guys are going to love the episode. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. If you have any constructive criticism at all, my DMs are open. You can reach out to me at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. I always love hearing from you. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and back with Aaron Martin. Hi, everyone. I am here with the voice of someone you all know and love. Erin Martin from the Pink Shade podcast is here to chat this week. Salt Lake and Real Housewives of New Jersey. How are you doing this eventful week, Erin? <laughs> every week is eventful. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm here just by myself. I'm not with my co-host, Mary Payne Gilbert, who you know if you listen to the Pink Shade podcast. She's had an eventful week all on her own. The world has had an eventful week. I'm coming off a stretch of very eventful weeks. Um, I don't know. We we pray. like Seriously, Mar- Mary Payne and I talk on the podcast every week, and our only prayer these days is just let it be normal. And we don't even know what normal is anymore. We're like, right. Just let us not have maybe a tooth fallout this week. In addition to a world war, <laughs> um, maybe my kid doesn't need to get COVID. Also, in addition to like you know me breaking a leg, it seems like there's just a lot of stuff going on in the world. And so, just regular life, like you know, just the things we deal with all of the time, you know, or a weird bill pops up. That seems like it's a thousand percent more annoying. And more and heavier as well. Yeah. That's how we're, that's how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. No, just kidding. I am doing pretty well. I am doing pretty well. (laughs) Despite it all. I was talking to you before we started recording about how I feel like the world is getting to see the Eastern Europe, like European sort of experience and humor throughout like the darkest things that are happening. And they're still maintaining their sense of of humor and dignity in the face of death. And that, to me, is a space like dark humor that I feel very comfortable in. But I find that a lot of Americans tend to not like movies that we have that are funny usually aren't like dark humor. They're just like funny, funny. And I love the, the dark humor. And so... That's what I lean into during these like really tough moments and Mm -hmm. watching the president of Ukraine, who's Jewish, whose family has been through so much Mm -hmm. in that region of the world with like the Nazis and he had family in the Holocaust, like putting on military gear and Mm -hmm. basically telling everyone to go F themselves. (laughs) It's like it's incredible to watch. It really is. I know it's. I am a fan of dark humor. I mean, mm-hmm. I I have to hold back, especially on even my own podcast, let, lest Mary Payne not only clutch her pearls, but rip them right <laughs> off of her neck. I want her to keep her pearls. 
So I, you were telling me a story beforehand that we don't have to go into right now, but I was dying. It was so dark about, you know, just things that were happening in the face of real extreme situations, which we know are going on over there. You know, it's, it's a life or death situation. And it it's, um, it has ramifications for the whole world. And in addition to that, it's on the heels of a plague. You know what I mean? Right. That is still going on. It's like, that's not, it's like, oh my God, like you got to have a war in the middle of a plague. Really? Like, this is not, this is not something anyone's up for. No one's ever up for a war. There's no good time. There's sh- to me, I mean, I'm a pacifist. I don't really think there's, there's war accomplished as much, if anything, but it's just another, it's like another layer on top of, I guess the existential dread a lot of us are already feeling. Right. You know what I mean? Even if something's not directly affecting you or you don't think it is, there, there's a, just a layer of existential dread that people feel. And that's why we need, that's why we need like friggin' housewives and exactly. 90 day fiance and love right? after lockup and like just people making terrible decisions, wearing bad feathers to reunions. <laughs> like feathers. that's what we need. We need to bad re- weather, we need to, like, bad feathers. <laughs> Yes. Whitney and Heather, bad weather, Meredith and no, who wore the, Jen Shaw and Meredith, bad feathers, that reunion. Oh my God. And they're in, and once again, for the Salt Lake reunion, they're on the set of Elf. Once again, (laughs) they're on the set of the North Pole in Elf. I thought they looked like figure skaters, but poorly dressed figure skaters. They look like figure skaters. From the Eastern Bloc, a la like Borat spoof. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very Do you much know what so. I mean? Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, they didn't get the memo. That's not really what we're doing in figure skating anymore. Like, it's just like so out of date. Like, they're still listening to Huey Lewis in the news <laughs> and still wearing that. The reunion looks are awful. Awful on every level. I mean, everybody's talked about it nonstop, so we don't need to go into it. But it is coming up. We get to see it all play out soon. I'm so excited. Yeah, no, I'm always wondering, like, how did people live through these things in the past? Because, yeah. you know, World War II, you go back to the the Black Plague and, you know, everything that was going on then. But they didn't have housewives. And for me, tuning on Salt Lake or Jersey <laughs> brings me, I know this sounds crazy, like, I forget everything else that's happening in the world. And I find a little bit of joy just for that hour, I just I feel joy watching yeah. these women. I do. Yeah. And for some reason, who knew when we both went into podcasting? I mean, we both probably <laughs> went in at different times, but who knew, you know, coronavirus would bring people to podcasts more than ever before, even those of us who were into them for a long time. And even those listeners out there right now who you guys have been, you know, maybe into podcasts since day one, it blew up because we all needed connection. And we and to connect through a stupid TV show is real connection. It's actually a connection. It you know is. what I mean? Because you can because you you like you like find your people. You do mm-hmm. in the in the Facebook groups and online platforms. And of course, Bravo people fight and everything else, but you still have a common thread. You can talk about ridiculousness you don't have to fight over you know you don't have to be in the election year or in the climate change crisis conversation you can just talk about whether you know Luis of Teresa Judice's um new boyfriendhood is a more toward an eggplant shade of skin 
or <laughs> like a maroon carpet in front of the Met shade of maroon. Like, you know what I mean? Like you could just yeah. talk about that, that stuff and just oh, float away with the shallowness of it all. I love it. I do too. And even when there are dark things that we are witnessing happen, yeah. I still find it grounding in some unusual way. And I know, I know this sounds crazy. And I, 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 I felt this after my mom died when I started watching, you know, Beverly Hills and, and really Vanderpump Rules. It was like, ooh, now is my moment to watch these crazy people. And I find joy from from their anecdotes. <laughs> That's it from their anecdotes. <laughs> anecdotes. Yes. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's so funny. You just said now is the best time. Isn't that like the Vanderpump Rules theme song? Oh, the this best, the, the best, best time of our time life. Of our yes. Lives. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember the song. Throwing the slow-mo Cosmo. <laughs> yes. I, I, I know. I'm still into it. I've expanded into every possible trash TV venue there is. And, it, you know, in addition to that, Murder shows calm me down, as they do many of us. Uh, true crime. I love, love a good murder. documentary. I love a good documentary. I love a I love a good cult or church documentary because of my background. And there's a really good one coming on Discovery Plus. It's about the Hillsong Church of Justin Bieber, etc. And like and all this scandal and stuff too. They're all over the world. Oh, yeah. Girl, I cannot wait for this. I mean, I don't even care if half of it is like allegedly. I don't care. I still want to hear it. If it's a rumor, I'm all ears. So bring it on. I think that's coming in March, maybe, or the end of. Yeah, obviously, it's the end of February now. Speaking of rumors and cults, Mm -hmm. I think you're the perfect person to ask. (laughs) What do you... (laughs) of your background Mary. and everything mm-hmm. what yeah what do you make of these i guess like rumors and allegations around mary and her church and where do where is the line if there is one between abuse kind of from like almost like emotional abuse from a religious leader to a cult like what makes a cult a cult what makes a cult? I don't cult. like, yeah. This is interesting. I do have another podcast just for your listeners to know called Cult Talk with Aaron Martin, and that's out there on every platform. And I did that years ago based on my own family's experience in the Church of Bible Understanding, the Kobu. And it's a cult I was born into. My parents left when I was like around three, but then we grew up with all of the ex-cult members, very steeped in that environment. Um, and then we went on to what I consider. I'm just going to say it. This is my opinion, Tamara Judge. (laughs) Then we went on to what is right next door to a cult in my mind, and that's Pentecostal churches. So then I was raised Pentecostal in Assemblies of God churches, and that was right next. That was just just parsing some things. It could have been a cult. Yeah, Yeah. it could have been a cult easily if, you know, someone would have the charismatic leader would have taken over. And then I have a um, a special out there, too, guys, uh, I did with the BBC called The Road to Jonestown. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's called Jonestown from Socialism to Slaughter. I just almost mislabeled the own documentary I worked on. It's a radio. It's a two-part radio broadcast, and I interviewed Jim Jones's son. Um, I interviewed a lot of people who escaped that horrible day when the People's Temple all drank with what we now call the Kool-Aid 
and in Guyana, um, right? Guyana in Guyana. Yeah. Anyway, so my I've been fascinated with cults. I've studied them. I've been around them. Been in them. <laughs> Mary's a cult leader, and I don't. That's my. Like, that's your opinion. Again, okay. Tamara Judge voice. That's my opinion. She's a cult leader because she she does like the five main things, and I I'm not going to be able to rattle them off right now, but she um she is absolutely a different socioeconomic situation than her members. And it's because she threatens her members into taking out second mortgages on their homes. No, no, no church, no religious leader, no spiritual leader should ever advise you to do that. No, no spiritual leader should ever be collecting your money directly from you and then showing off their closet. And, you know, like, where does that come from? That's cult leader stuff. Mm -hmm. That's cult leader stuff. That's not what a, preacher a rabbi you know what i mean it's like that's not that's not how it works it's not just um someone who's really heavy-handed in religion she's not the facsimile of god and calling herself god having those paintings of her grandmother like being god and whatever that's cult leader 101 where i am the you pray to me you worship me i am the direct conduit to what you need not your own personal relationship i'm not just a sinner among you all no 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 i'm above you I deserve your money. I will berate you. We've seen her berating her own. That's uh, the congregation. part that I like wanted That's to know. absolutely one of the yeah. five. Yep. Shame. Okay. If you go anywhere else, you'll be lost forever. I'm the only way that but you'll be you saved. can get salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So absolutely. She's a cult leader. Absolutely. I've heard a lot of yep. people say, well, we don't have proof of all these things. These are just random allegations that were put out. But for for me, when Cameron came on camera and said he took out a mortgage on his home, that to me, like, I believe him because I believe when people tell stories, right? Like when Margaret talked about being um, sexually harassed in her workplace back in the Mm -hmm. 80s and 90s, I believe her. I don't need to see like an HR complaint to believe that story. And so I believe, you know, Cameron's story. What I don't understand Mm -hmm. is how could Lisa believe Cameron's story and also say she has like love in her heart for Mary. It's weird to me. And I, I feel like Whitney makes more sense, at least on this issue and that she seems to be like going for Mary and asking all the tough questions. But then in this, season finale we see she apologizes to mary for talking about her church and that made i know zero sense like if you're going to do something like that and you believe what you're saying why would you then apologize to her and make it, it help me understand i think because it was like a drunken apology to just like get a scene in because when he was like i just said it talks to you right and i just really I'm sorry I said your church is allegedly a cult. Like, she, she's barely even there. Right. Her ponytail's like half hanging on to the clip-in. So I don't know how much of that was just for the show. I, I feel like a lot. I do notice, though, I do notice the people who will throw away, like, is it a cult? Is it not a cult? Are those who probably didn't experience religious oppression in the group as much as the others. And that's Meredith and Lisa. So if you experience um, a control group, a really controlling religious group like uh, Heather, we know, and Whitney, mm-hmm. who was like excommunicated, and uh, they're really sensitive to it. 
And I'm very sensitive to it too. It just is what it is if you have come from that. But if you're not, you know, Lisa is very much like, I would say in a really solid place with her Mormonism, whatever she interprets that to be very secular Mormonism, it seems, which is great. I love that. For I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love her. that. And Meredith is not like super. She, she, she doesn't seem like she, that's not part of her storyline either, where she's talking all about the oppression of her, the religion in her life, you know, being Jewish and how that's oppressed. Her. She, she, she doesn't have that. So they're sort of like, Oh my God, is Mary running a cult? That's creepy. Not is Mary running a cult that's psychologically damaging and potentially killing people. You know what I mean? So I do. That's a split in the group just to watch if we're going deep. Look at who's really upset about that and and, look who's not. And that is so funny because so many people have said, like, how dare Whitney and Heather be the ones to try and call out Mary when they were part of a cult. And that, but you're saying that because they had that experience is why they are more tuned to that's so interesting. And then we've got absolutely this situation with Heather Gay's father's memorial. And I thought this was interesting because I had um, a guy named Nick on the podcast a few weeks ago whose part, he lives in Australia and his partner grew up in the Mormon faith. And he still has a great relationship with his parents who are actively involved in the church. And he is um, like, he basically said, the closer you are to the center the almost like an earthquake, the more, um, what was like turbulence there is. And that he felt like Mormons outside of Utah maybe have a little bit more different family dynamics and that when certain people leave the faith, the family doesn't excommunicate them. And absolutely he has so many examples of this. And But he seems to feel like he says in Utah, it feels a little bit different. And that, Mm -hmm. and or if you're very involved or your family was like historically tied to Joseph Smith, that, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting to watch. Part of me wonders, did Heather's family not show up because they disagreed with what she was doing? They disagree with her life choices? Or is it because it's on camera and they're private people? It's because it's on camera. Right. I mean, I'm not going to say 100%, but that's 90% of it. You know what I mean? Because even her mom pulled up. She did a little drive-by. Mm-hmm. They see me rolling. They hating. <laughs> she was riding dirty past the past the little thing in front of the mountains, little folding chairs in front of the mountains. And it was because of the cameras. You know, she didn't want to be on camera. Nobody does. I feel like Heather is absolutely telling the truth when she's talking about how she was affected and is affected by her lack of her, her losing her faith in terms of that really rigid faith and not having found her way yet in how to navigate her family. I feel like there's hope that she can find her way to do that. Just like with Orthodox Judaism or yeah. very fundamentalist in Islam or Christianity or Catholic, you know, the different denominations, like the one I come from Pentecostal, it's can be very much like, you know, they can give you a good old fashioned Amish shunning, mm-hmm. you know, if you get pregnant at 16 or whatever. So it's not like it's just Mormonism. It is definitely yeah. about the different variants, denominations or beliefs of groups, like you said, toward the center. And then toward the outskirts, you could have a, absolutely the same belief system, but live culturally a completely different way. Right. You know, 
it's just it's true of all religions. Relatable storyline because it, it doesn't even have to be religion. That's the thing that drives families mm-hmm. apart. I think you know this discord within her family is relatable. A lot of people experience yeah. it with their parents, with their siblings, with children. Um, you know, I grew up a conservative Jew, and my mm-hmm. mom was much more religious and serious about it than my father who grew up, you know, in the Soviet Union. So he wasn't even allowed to practice. So he just kind of went along with everything she wanted to do. But, you know, if and and my extended family, it was sort of told to me when you're young, like, you have to marry a Jew. Like, if you don't, like, that's bad, right? And and there's consequences Mm -hmm. and and people kind of get disowned and and stuff like that and and that had happened in my family and in its history and you know my brother married a non-jewish girl and it was there was a lot of tension in in my family about it and it's you know some people were very open other people weren't a lot of people varied between how they felt day to day it was and it's not that they don't love you know uh, the person it's just it's hard it's hard right and it's very hard and you're right it's yeah. so relatable just that example perfect example or that what we see on reality shows with indian matchmaker or yeah. you know shows where it's like you must marry an indian woman you have to do the you know like for families who we show we see on bravo mm-hmm. um the family karma that's because that's been I talked about openly family karma love family karma it is a very hard show to recap because we love everyone so yeah, much. I, like, it's hard to make of fun of them. I don't like. <laughs> no, we we recapped it on our Patreon, and we're like, "There's no jokes to even make, except the aunties like give you the jokes because they're so amazing, and they're just like comic relief on their own, so you can just repeat their jokes." But other than that, it's like we can't really snark on people because we're in love with every single person on that show. We're like, "You're all the best." The parents, the kids, the aunties, the the teens, the tweens, the young adults. That shows don't sleep on family karma, you guys. Don't sleep on it. When it comes back, watch it. Binge the old seasons, watch the new one. It's amazing. I, I talk it's about incredible. it a lot. because uh, well, I just binged yeah. season one as season two was airing. Um mm-hmm. Meredith Marks jewelry line photo shoot and her oh uh, t shirt, the LGBTQ rights, I'm engaging. All of that. Want to get your thoughts not really on the photo shoot itself, but something she said after. And I just, I just find it such an interesting discussion point where she said her idea of equality is where no one has to come out and there are no labels. And I've always wondered: Do people feel like that's almost like, well, I don't see color, or is it? I don't know. Mm. I, I've been wondering that, and I know people probably have very differing opinions on it, but it's such an interesting thing that she, like, is – she because she said it so many different times. I've heard in interviews where, like, her she doesn't believe people should ever have to come out, and that's her idea of equality. Right, right. Uh, that's maybe her her idea. Right. The, <laughs> are the key words there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we get into that deep point, I'll comment on the photo shoot. They'll look yes. at the photo shoot first. And then I, I do really want to talk about this because I heard Ben and Ronnie from Watch What Crappens discussing this in their recap this week. And I thought it was really insightful what they were saying about her comments. 
you know, as two gay men who are out and they had a cut, they both had their own coming out process processes. And so, yeah, we can get into that. And then, but before that, let's just talk about this photo shoot. Um, Did you get, did you get vibes of like, uh, was it NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys standing on that same scenery with those same pajamas on? They were like red. Like, quit playing like, games with, with my, my heart. heart. Na, na, na. With my heart. Na, 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 I was like, <laughs> am I? I'm a lady of a certain age. So that wasn't really my jam. But I remember. But it's like I remember something like this. Boys in those silk getups singing some kind of boys band song. What video is that? <laughs> What is it? No. I gotta find it because it's exactly but like this photo maroon? shoot. I'm imagining a maroon pajama satin, like maroon. It, and I don't know. It could have been, but it was very much like Meredith Marks and her whole jewelry line. We're all gonna wear. Where was the jewelry? Like I don't remember seeing the jewelry. I just remember the. I thought it was a photo shoot for satin pajamas. Yeah, exactly. And like bad, bad, terrible eye makeup choices you know, that a younger model can pull off. And I say that not being a younger person or a model. So <laughs> like no her shade daughter to anyone. Could have, was pulling her it daughter off very could pull, well. And I was like, nobody needs to put like the huge pink lines around your eye and make yourself look more tired. And like, it looks like a weird bruise. Uh, I'm not into it. But the jewelry only showed up in the photos. It seemed like we had all these photos from a different set entirely, you know, where she was showing all the people <laughs> she was using. And the, the jewelry was there, but nowhere. It was nowhere, you know, as Brooks and what is it? Chloe, Zoe, Chloe, Chloe uh, were standing trying to look like not sibling siblings. Like, I didn't think they had any jewelry on. They just had pajamas. I have like, no what? idea. I, I find uh, Meredith's, uh, is it jewelry line, fashion, all of it. Very <laughs> odd, I guess. Like I just, like her. T- t- yeah. I feel like I understand her a bit. I parts of me very much relate to her in that like I'm not a legal scholar and I did not go to law school, but I I understand that she did and she views things very differently. So all the Jen Shaw stuff, I feel like she has had the absolute right take on, read on response to whereas none of the other women seem to be taking it as seriously as they should. I agree. I totally do agree with that. <laughs> with yeah. that part of I her. Mean, the energy she brings to the Jen Shaw situation is the energy every single member of the Beverly Hills cast brought to the wife of someone who was accused of fraud on their season. Do you know what I mean? And, like and she's we thought bringing... they were being easy on Erica Jane. Yeah, I thought they exactly. were being easy on her. So Mer- Meredith is the only one doing it. I mean, Heather Gay is supposed to be the one we relate to. She's supposed to be like, our normal chick, like our homie, you know, like first season, we're like, she, to me, she's, she's been the most grounded one, the most open one, but this season, her blind loyalty to Jen and her not really digging in there. I'm like, what are you doing, girl? Like, come on. So question, do you think this goes back to her being raised in the Mormon church and taught never to ask questions and, and to have blind loyalty to things? Because it could she be. was asked on Watch What Happens Live, hey, mm-hmm. you mentioned on the show that Jen left your house in an Uber and then got out half a block away. Did you ever ask her where she went? And she said, no, I haven't asked her. 
I, what? Like, what, what? who operates like that? But I feel like if you're taught not to ask questions, and that is such an ingrained part of your childhood and your formative years, does it extend to other parts of your life? Were you... It's almost like she just recently learned to question things, like question her marriage, question the church, question how she lives her life. And she's not yeah. yet ready to start asking questions of people that she has decided are in her camp and are her friends. Yeah, it could be that. It could be some secret pact she has with Jen Shaw off camera. You know, like, I'm just not going to do this to you on the show, but she yeah. has asked her off camera. Um, That's probably it. It just yeah you make a good point it could be that i do see heather as messier than this though like she gets messy with other people she likes to stir it up she likes to be like week was meredith really burying her father on that day i'm like girl what like come on you can't ask jen shaw about something that's actually in writing and out there and in papers in the in the weeklies as luann (laughs) deliceps would call them (laughs) but she still says that, by the way, but it it's like, but she'll get messy with everything else. I just don't I don't buy that. She's blanket statement, scared to question things. Jen Shaw has got some kind of pact with her. She I does. I think she does on a she lot does. of them. I think what yeah. she did with Meredith is she got really close to Meredith. Meredith trusted her, told her things that Jen used against her during filming. And I think Jen collects everyone's skeletons and plans to throw them out in the open for everyone to comment on if they come for her. Yeah. That's how she operates. I'm sure she does. You know? But now Meredith has, it's backfired on Jen because Meredith has gone out and hired her a private investigator. And now she's like, I know who all of you have been fucking and I know who everyone here has been cheating on their husbands with and da 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 Meredith's neck while she's doing this at the finale party at the Vita Tequila party is literally bent neck lady in the haunting of Hill House. Like, have you seen that series on Netflix? Okay, there's like a ghost in there called Bent Neck Lady. I hope I'm getting it right. (laughs) Haunting. It's like this woman who, like, her neck is literally bent. I'm like, that's Meredith. She's bent neck lady. She's frightening when she argues because she completely goes. <laughs> like yeah, she does up, put her head her to shoulders. one side. Yeah. She, yeah. And she's like, I know what everyone has done in this room. And did you see the roaches scatter? When she said that? It I was even just think Jen it was, Shaw left at the table. I didn't think it was related to the private investigator. I just assumed that I everyone wonder. knew it could be. But I, it, it seems to me, and I've said this in a number of occasions, that Jen Shaw is unfaithful to Coach Shaw. Mm-hmm. And that there seems to be enough evidence out there pointing to that. And I think she was re- mainly talking about Jen. But I'm wondering who else was she talking about? Because she said, I'm going to talk about oh. ev- who everyone's dated. As if- Mary Cosby. Mary uh, Cosby has been allegedly. But I don't think, you know, but she has an out. alliance with Mary. They, a yeah. weird alliance where she, this whole 
party was so weird. And to see Whitney try and have a conversation with Mary and then Jenny insert herself. And then the one thing I caught when I was rewatching it is Jenny looked to Heather, who was like cheering and egging her on, like almost like telling Jenny like, hey, now's your moment to confront Mary. When it Mm -hmm. wasn't her moment to confront Mary, it was so inappropriate and weird and it was annoying to watch and then it's shocking to see her throw glass but then it's also even more shocking to see no one else seems to think there's anything wrong with this well i think she just doesn't matter enough and she has proved proven herself to be such a you know nasty piece of work and we know that jenny's not coming back she didn't even get a little send off what she's doing send off at the end you know we we just know she's canceled and i hate that word because you know i could be canceled literally any day of my life with the stuff i say but jen jenny i think came to that party wanting to have a fight wanting to have a throw the glass moment and that's Mm -hmm. what she did and everyone looking at her was like this is like so awkward it's cringeworthy it's embarrassing for her it's more embarrassing for her than it was for mary and mary is embarrassing enough to herself and already a monster in her own right but jenny made an ass out of herself trying to make something out of nothing I I think. I think so, too. I mean, what I was shocked about was why didn't... I mean, if even if I didn't like Mary, I feel like I would check on her. Like, someone was chasing you screaming and threw glass. Nobody cared. (laughs) Nobody cared. Like, that is what's shocking to me. Like, just to say, like, hey, do you have any glass on you? You okay? You want to leave? Like, that's cool. Like, I get it. You're done with this. You're done with all of us. You, You know, just to, like, check... like. I can't imagine being with someone, even someone I hate, and not being like, hey, like, do you have any pieces of glass, like, in your, like, are you, are you cool? Are you all right? You know? I know. And you could tell it was all so freaking staged because Dewey yeah, afterwards yeah. is cleaning it up and he's like, he, 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 he's smiling. He's having a ball. Like, it's just weird. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose the thread because you had asked about, oh, oh Meredith, about the, Meredith oh, yeah. saying, and no one should have to come out come anymore. Out. No yes. one should have to. And so Ben Mandelkart and Ronnie Karam from, you know, our buddies from Watch What Crappens, they recap the Housewives and everything on Bravo. And I was listening to their Salt Lake City recap earlier this week, and I thought they just had a perspective on it that I really hadn't thought about before. And that's, you know, who you identify as has become something very important to the LGBTQ community and any literally any community what you identify as not what people label you as and i i think i would i would agree with that i don't nobody should be like well he's obviously gay or like she's obviously straight or like blah 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 or i think they're bi like no what they identify as man woman gay straight bi non-binary anything that's the most important thing and that doesn't have to sound like the old hokey phrase which is going to sound hokey to the next generation coming out Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's just going to be a more natural process of like, I identify as, and it's just going to be something everyone does. And that does involve labeling, but involves labeling yourself. So they, I don't know. They had a very good conversation about it that I'm probably not phrasing quite right. So please go listen to them. I yeah, that, by that no makes means sense. Mis- but do you know what I mean? And, and to acknowledge each other's identi- identities. That's what Instead I feel of just like. Being like. We're all the same. Yeah, that's what I yeah. felt like she was trying to do. And it reminded me of the I don't see color um, 
thing that my, you know, people, my stepmom was like, I thought that was what we were supposed to be striving for. Like she told me you know, during the summer I, of 2020, like that's what I thought yeah. the goal was. And we we watched the um, yep. Bravo special on the Black Lives Matter movement. And women, one of the women said, if you don't see color, you don't see me. And we, my stepmom looked at me and goes, oh, so it's not that we're supposed to just like pretend it's not there and don't acknowledge yep. it because people have their own histories and they're proud of their culture and their color and their backgrounds. And I think, you know, a lot of gay people, bi people, trans people have pride. <laughs> There's a whole month, pride month pride. In, in their identity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it almost felt like she was trying to, I don't know, I, I wouldn't I go out maybe, and say things like that as a straight woman. Me, I wouldn't. Yeah. And also, I can't really speak to this or nor what she meant, but I, I kind of wonder if she was trying to get to get to a place that she wasn't getting to with her words, like trying to say like, well, there should be no closet to come out of. You just are what you are. That makes you know what I mean? more sense. Yeah. Like that. I don't know. That's how. But then again, I'm not going to say that that's what she meant because she said what she said. She said what she said. Meanie <laughs> leaks. I said what I said. Um, and she's she's just strange. Her friendship with Mary is the strangest of all. That took her down 95 points in my book. Her alliance with Mary completely erased every other normal thing about her for me. Interesting. I really liked yeah. Meredith. I like Lisa, too. I like them all. I just feel like they don't have any authentic connection with one another. And that no. felt very... <laughs> odd at the reunion where it's like they were trying to make them stand in a circle and have a like yay we still love each other after this whole season moment and they're not going to get that because none of them have an authentic connection besides heather and whitney exactly i know lisa and meredith do not for whatever they talk about having this friendship of 12 years it's not a it can't be a real friendship they're so odd around each other as the friendship that never was yeah, in the episode, it's truly. Mm-hmm. The, I, the one I last agree. thing I will say about Salt Lake is I thought Seth Mark's Reagan Bush shirt was funny, and I know there was a whole like <laughs> bunch of people that were angry about it online because he had just done this whole like LGBTQ rights thing. We all know how Reagan and Bush were extremely homophobic and horrible during the beginning of the AIDS crisis, the first 10 years of the AIDS crisis. But me as a person that like lives in DC and sees things through a lot of political lens, if I was told that I needed to go to an 80s party, I would look for a Mondale shirt. Like, right. Like, what else am I going to like? I don't know. I only think of the 80s based on who was the president. Like, that's my view. I'm I so I thought it was so funny that he just like put on that shirt. It's a pop culture reference, not yeah. a reference to every single belief they held or every yeah. Nothing nothing is I think when you as soon as you put it on a t-shirt and it's the face of someone like a president who is kind of like just a pop culture reference at this point. It's not a current stand for like this is who I'm voting for. It's a much different scenario. I know I just was Reagan like, Bush. Oh. I mean my god. I was like it's is there something like in America? My- and I've worked in like eight, I mean, 10 years in AIDS advocacy. So I just, I don't know. I thought, and I was like, oh, that's a goofy, like, that's how I would have interpreted the outfit as well. Like, 
Me if too. I was yeah. Supposed to go to a party like that. Yeah. All right. Do you want to do a hard pivot to Jersey? Let's do a hard pivot hard to Patterson pivot. Dolores. Okay. Yeah. Question. Who do you think is a better friend to Jennifer, Jackie or Dolores? Oh my God. Is anyone really a friend to Jennifer? I think. <laughs> That's a good I, point. Are they? Are they like, is she even deserving of a friend after all the stuff she has pulled in the last couple of seasons? I think probably Dolores is a better friend to her because she tells her the truth. (laughs) She tells you, you know what? I'm mad at you. Quit crying. And then she goes, you know what? I heard something else about you. And now I'm, I'm, I'm not so sympathetic. And then she'll be like, no, you know what? I heard the other side of things and I am sympathetic. She just comes out and says it. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jackie's like, I just want to be a good friend to you. And you know, I I understand like what it's like to have rumors out there. And I mean, Jennifer's been awful to Jackie. She's been awful to all of them, except for Dolores and Teresa, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like for Jackie to suddenly be her defender. I think that's very fake. And it's maybe she's really? setting it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, she didn't I even react. Jackie. I'm a Jackie stan. I don't think I stan anyone on any of the housewives except for her. I just Jackie. feel like I relate to her. I understand where she's coming from in almost every situation. I just get her. I do. Okay, then then explain to me, by the way, her her sharing her eating disorder. Extremely and brave. Going on, ex- and also, like, going to be very helpful and possibly save some people. I mean, I think it's incredible that she's doing this openly going to Renfrew and actually being in the office and them talking about the nitty gritty of intake and what, you know, how her body could be not functioning or functioning based on her disorder and her coming to grips with that. The whole thing is just super brave. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. Okay. But back to her just being a messy housewife. <laughs> okay. Well, we love you, Jackie. But I think this whole Jennifer thing, it's just like, what, are you what are you doing defending this woman you know like yeah what are you thinking you want to be friends with marge you want to be cool with Teresa again so maybe that's why she's doing it because she's Teresa made her life such hell before i, I could be very wrong and i frequently am but Same. <laughs> <laughs> i get the sense that jackie is a very decent person and does not fit the housewife mold and that she works because she's not afraid of anything. She's got a lot of balls. And I think that she's like, wow, I relate to Jennifer as a mother. I know what it was like to have uncomfortable conversations with my children about stuff that people said their dad did. And so she's imagining, wow, Jennifer's got five kids. They've never heard this before. This is going to come out either before it airs or when it airs, but it's going, mm-hmm. they're going to be talking about, it, and she's going to have to have these conversations with her kids. And that mm-hmm. effing sucks. And I can provide support to someone who's having to talk to their kids about this difficult topic. Like, I don't think she's defending Jennifer. Like, she's saying, like, I get why Marge did this, but I also feel bad of the impact it's having on Jennifer, especially as a mom. I, I can you understand totally that. disagree. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I was just going to say, I accept your, like, the, the, the case rests because I totally can see that because she does keep saying, as a mother, as a mother, you know, I just wanted you to know, as, you know, mother to mother. So I, yeah, 
I think she's a decent person too. I really do. I just had a little inkling that she is doing this to maybe then later on be like, look what a good friend to you I was. And now you stab me in the back again. I just kind of feel like she might be, this might be money in the bank for later. Maybe. In addition to just being kind on camera, you know? Maybe. But, but I, I do think Jackie's yeah. a decent person. I agree with that. And yeah. there's so few decent people on these shows, as we saw in Salt Lake when in the glass world. was thrown and no one even had the decency to see if Mary was okay. <laughs> like, that to me is so shocking. And so to see a decent person, I also, here's yeah. my other t- hot take on Jersey. I think Marge and Jackie are the only two women on the show that don't have severe internalized misogyny. Oh, I think you are absolutely correct. <laughs> like, in fact, I would severe. go as far as to say you are... You are correct. I mean, like that. Absolutely. And they're the two who have uh, careers, too. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, what is does Melissa does Dolores Mm -hmm. really, you know, not really does Jennifer know? I think Dolores had a career. She was a prison guard for a while. She was a prison guard. She worked, I believe, in a plastic surgery clinic at the same time as Bill. Bill, that's right. Who, by the way, can we talk for a moment about his affair and how I think it's not just the fact that he had an affair that was bad, but who he had an affair with. If you are a doctor who is prescribing medicine and you get into a sexual relationship with the pharma rep who is encouraging you to prescribe certain things, especially opioids... I'm imagining, you know, what was going on 10 years ago in this country? What were pharma reps doing, mm-hmm. especially at plastic surgery offices? Uh-huh. What were they promoting? Uh, oh, this is going dark. And I love it because you are absolutely right. That is exactly what was going on. I mean, you guys go out there and watch. Uh, what's the one with Bill? Um, oh, Dope Sick? Dope Sick. Yes. Yes. Michael Keaton. Sorry, not Bill Murray. Michael Keaton. Dope Sick. I, w- I watched that whole thing. Did you? No, but I read the book Dope Sick. You did. Okay. Yeah. I watched the series. It was excellent. I'm sh- I hope it was true to the book because it was really, it was very detailed and very much like a documentary, even though it wasn't a documentary, you know? Yeah. And that was 10 years ago. That was 15 years ago. You're absolutely right. Also, the, the- HBO um, documentary Crime of the Century. Yes. Is really that good one too. as well. But I just feel like if because they Marge mentioned he lost his job. He had yeah. to leave his job because of this affair. And to me, like, yeah, it could be an undisclosed relationship between a receptionist and a doctor in the same practice. Like that may mm-hmm. violate the terms of working there. And it's also an ethical whatever. But the main ethical issue is if he was actually with a farmer rep and Marge has said, listen, I know she said that I got it wrong when I said it was a farmer rep and she uh, or when I said it was a receptionist, I meant like the receptionist. So maybe there was more than one. She, I didn't know she said that. Where did yeah, she, where did you hear this? Watch to, what happens or what's I, the no, deep cut it here? It was, uh, I think a podcast. I have to go back <gasps> and check, but I think, oh, I think she, I wouldn't necessarily think that Bill only had one affair if he was strain. Yeah. I mean, and that this one was the one when she was just about to give birth. Oh, right. Wow. 
Okay. I didn't know she said that. Thank you for that information. Let me, you know what, after this, I will double Mm, check mm, mm, because I don't want to be wrong. But I have a feeling that he was creeping around more than just with one person. And wouldn't an affair with one person be more hurtful because it would mean that there were emotions involved where it's just one person that you're carrying on a relationship with while Mm -hmm. you're in a marriage versus Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. The whole thing. You're pulling a Tiger Woods and like like, screwing the whole (laughs) country. Yeah. What's shocking to me is like if it is true that there was that he lost his job over this, then mm-hmm. this goes beyond just strain from your marriage, but doing something wrong professionally as well. Which yeah. I think if I were his parents or the in-laws or whatever watching, like the, that's really bad. Would you and, Girl. and, and potential clients yeah, it is. like if you're going to a plastic surgeon, someone that has an ethical violation i don't know that was fired well, from a job he had to open his own practice did he do that because he wanted to or did he do that because he couldn't get hired at certain places after this yeah exactly i have a lot I, of questions i love this, this theory affair. girl <laughs> okay well here here's here's a theory i've come up with jennifer is now exacting revenge 10 years later by allowing the storyline to come out and getting her nose jacked up in turkey so she can go around <laughs> as a walking advertisement for his plastic surgery she's like i'm gonna take it upon myself to be the worst advertisement ever for my husband and i'm gonna allow this thing to come out on the show because you can't tell me she didn't know this was going to come out she knows She's not dumb. She's not dumb. She's not. No. Mm-mm. It's so sad to me when she's having the conversation with Margaret and she says, I talk about how great Bill is because do I want another infidelity? As if it's on her. And then she said the whole you know, Syrian Orthodox community, my in-laws, they will blame me for not sleeping with him enough. I know. And that's just so sad. Again, internalized misogyny, whether it comes from a culture, comes from your own family unit, comes from you, comes from society or the teen magazines you read, you know, growing up in the 80s. Like it's, it's all coming at you and she has internalized it for sure. But you know, so she, has that's, Teresa, that's it speaking right there. Who said oh, she wouldn't time. let anyone sexually like harass or assault her. She said that during the reunion last year when Jackie came uh-huh. forward and Margaret about assault in the workplace i mean my god how disgusting was that i know Teresa can just when you think she can sink no lower she just gets a little bit she crouches down a little bit more let's let's get into her for a minute so lewis her boyfriend is louis he's coming up to join them at the Jersey Shore and they think Mm -hmm. he's going to join them at the beach and he doesn't join at the beach and it seems like he is either being told by producers everyone's talking about you I don't know I don't know how he found this out or if he is just following social media and this was all happening at the time that he was like trending on Twitter and all of that stuff but they broke the fourth wall and they don't Mm -hmm. do that very regularly especially they usually do it later in the season if they're going to do it. This is, I believe, the third or fourth episode. And they break the fourth wall showing the producer yep. saying, like, hey, like, you got to deal with this. And Teresa's just like, Louis didn't sign up to be questioned. And she leaves and has the audacity to ask them why they're still filming, <laughs> which I find funny. 
I know. She has the audacity of Bethany. Audacity. To sh- to to actually question like why why do you still have the cameras on? It's like because this is why you have that gown on or whatever getup you have on right now. This is why you have all that bronzer on. This is why you have the car you have, the house you have, everything because we're filming you. This is your job. Like mm-hmm. What what is wrong with her? And then she's like, "Go fuck yourself!" Like, really, Teresa? I can only imagine how just nasty she is to the crew. You know, in these moments that we don't even see, that was probably just the very tip of a very large iceberg with Teresa. She probably blows up and has been flipping tables at the cast and at the crew forever for what 112 seasons now. And Louis, he did sign up for this, and he happily signed up for it. This right? guy is an attention whore and a fame whore. Yes, absolutely. Him hosting that whole namaste, let's all write our feelings down on paper. He loved being the leader of that with the Gorgas mm-hmm. last week. And the Judice is talking about, you know, like, we just need to let things go and move forward. I mean, he's the star of his own video that was leaked with the naked men behind him. He loves talking into a camera about his deepest feelings. You know, even if it's not supposed to get out there, please. He's not a shy person. His entrance onto the show was like this big, dramatic magnum P.I., you know, getting out of a car, (laughs) see the current references, kids, seeing the car door slam, watching the legs walk up the porch to the grotesque house that Teresa used to live in. I mean, he he totally signed up for this. He's just mad because it is backfiring and it is backfiring before he can even establish himself as the cool guy. In he, he's not even on the comedy tour with the house husbands yet. And that's also probably upsetting to him. And he's already out there with all this crazy news about him because you know what? It sounds like he wasn't a great guy in his past relationship. So guess what? That's what you get. Yeah. So part of me thinks it's Teresa that is being extra protective of him. And that doesn't want this coming out on camera and that he actually would be okay talking about all of it because there's a scene that was like leaked on purpose, you know, for next week where they're all talking and Margaret is asking about the video and Louis's like, hey, I can explain the video. And Teresa's like, you don't have to explain yourself and keeps like not wanting Louis to talk. And he seems to be part of it for okay sure. Talking. So She's just, I think, probably very guarded and wants to protect him. But if you bring someone in to a show like this, you know, you have to, first of all, if you're like the star of the show, you can't have things that are off limits. And then you bring him in and, you know, just like let him fend for himself. Like, why are you like when you I think she's causing more problems by trying to protect him than she is like. If she just was able to talk. And I think that's what Margaret is actually trying to say. Like, just acknowledge that this is out there and maybe explain yourself because it's out there. And from a PR perspective, it would be smart to get ahead of it. I think that's what Margaret is trying to say. We'll see. I think that could be very true because Teresa is trying to shape the narrative. She didn't want him on camera for a long time. When he got on camera, he loved it. He loved every second of it. He wants more. She's probably doing a lot of tamping that down, you know, and scaring him also. This is a woman who was sent to jail by her last husband. And a lot of it was on camera. You know, it was used against them. So, and I also just will end with saying this is also an only opinion of Aaron, not of um, (laughs) Mandy Sluzker's podcast. (laughs) 
LLC. <laughs> Teresa's dumb. She's real dumb. She's stupid. Her IQ is low. I mean, we have to all admit that she's a stupid person. <laughs> yeah, part of me. She's thinks, she's not a know. smart. She's not a smart woman, but she right. knows what love is. So she <laughs> is trying to. <laughs> she's trying to maybe not allow what happened before happen again, but she doesn't know how to go about it because she's not. Right. She's not a chess player. She's a checkers player. She's really like a kick the ball in one direction player against a tree. But people like watching it. I love watching it. Right? People really like watching her. And I think sometimes she mistakes the fact that she has a fan base, which I find is because it's interesting to watch her life and the life of those around her. Like I find the her Melissa situation to be endlessly fascinating where Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily blame one over the other, although I tend to be a little bit more on the Melissa side, but like, I just find it fascinating. And I think she sometimes, I don't know. I feel like she thinks with her fan base that like she Uh is a righteous person in some way, or I'm fighting for love and people (laughs) are rooting for me and the only ones who don't care about me are my stupid castmates. Like I feel like that's what's in her head. And it, it's like, no, Uh Teresa, honey. (laughs) I mean, even at Louie's little, whatever it was, namaste circle. She was like, I don't have any regrets. I don't, I don't regret. I don't have anything I want to let go of. I'm fine. And Melissa's like, Oh, Louie wants to get her to, to admit any faults. We're going to be here a long time, you know? And I'm like, Teresa's too dumb to understand. You know what? No, or, but she does. Teresa have, has no self-reflection. That's what it is. She has no self-reflection has no and she never wants to admit that she's wrong ever. No. And so, Mm-mm. and she views it as a sign of weakness to yeah. admit that she's wrong. And therefore, she doesn't want Louie, I feel like, to admit that there, whatever was going on with that video or anything in his past relationship where he may have made mistakes, because Mm -hmm. she views that as a sign of weakness. And don't give them that. You hold on to your story and you don't make excuses for it and you don't apologize for it. She's very Trumpian in that way. Oh, interesting. I was thinking in my head, like, she's the bull, not the matador. She will just like go through something. She doesn't have any finesse or like any gameplay. She's just like, I said what I said. And I'm being loyal. (laughs) Boom. You know, like she's just, she's a hammer. So every problem's a nail. Isn't that the phrase? Yeah. She's just, every problem you look at looks like a nail if you're a hammer. That's what she is. She's just, (laughs) she doesn't, she's not with it, but I'm here to watch her. Baby, I'm so, I'm a huge fan of New Jersey. I love the family feuding of it all. I love the baby daughters who come in. (laughs) I like, I am not anti Gia, the new housewife. I like the fact that they're grooming her to be whatever she is on the show now. (laughs) I find that fascinating. I will be watching Jersey till I die. And Teresa's part of that. She's never going to go. I enjoy it as well. I think... This is such a fabulous cast. This is the fourth season in a row that they've had the same ensemble. And that really says something, you know, it really does. And I Mm -hmm. don't understand why the fan base feels like you always have to take sides. And I think a really the hallmark of like a good show is the nuance and being like, are you team Melissa or team, you know, are you are you 
for Dolores or for Jackie? Are you for Jennifer or are you for Margaret? And I yeah. can see how both can be right and both can be wrong. Like, I understand where Margaret is coming from. And I feel like she it she should have said something to Jennifer. But I also feel like she's a bit of an asshole for it. And both things can be true at the same time. And I wish the fan yeah. base would kind of embrace the messiness and the gray area and not always have to be teams. Right. I think a lot of them do. I think a lot I of do them too. do. And yeah, but I, this is our sports. And so when it gets down <laughs> to the end of a season, we're like, team so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> like, screw that we have the huge, like, foam finger up for, like, Dolores or whoever. Like, we, we get Defense. really crazy. But <laughs> yes, it's so, it's so part of, like, us watching this for the sports entertainment it is. However, our sports entertainment being Housewives and so much, so many other you know, great trash TV shows is that it does have nuance. And so we don't have to pick a team forever. Like we don't have to be loyal forever. We can go back and forth and we can all argue around a point a lot of times because that's what we like to do. Just like the housewives. It's my absolute favorite thing to do. (laughs) Well, Erin, thank you so much for being on. Uh, You are such a joy to talk to always. Thank you for sharing your, you know, your personal experience with cults. I always find that to be endlessly fascinating. Tell everyone where they can find you, all the different projects you're working on, um, everything, everything Aaron Martin. Oh, thank you. It's so much fun talking to you. I really love, I love talking to you, Mandy. It's been too long. And that's because I'm just coming out of the dark. I'm out of the dark. I'm back on the podcast with my co-host, Mary Payne Gilbert. It's called Pink Shade Podcast. And we cover a lot on the free feed. We cover even more on our Patreon, which is Pink Shade Bunkies on Patreon. Um, We are really focused on 90 Day Fiance, Love After Lockup, Some Housewives. We do a lot of documentaries on the Patreon. We cover Darcy and Stacey. You name it. You know, if it's it's bad, (laughs) we're all over it. If it's bad for you. If it's people making terrible decisions, we're in. We're we're always in. We're like, oh, I feel better about my life. So you can follow us on Instagram at Pink Shade Pod. You can follow us on the TikTok machine, which I don't go to, but Mary Payne tries at Pink Shade Podcast. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on over there. And uh, uh, yeah, the links are if you if you come to our uh, podcast, you can see in the show notes. Links are everywhere to our socials and everywhere else from there. So thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll have to chat again soon. For sure.